Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, everyone. This is Danny Myers from Cosmic Crash, and you're listening to the Lena Jones Morning Sparkle. Hello, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? It is a rainy morning here in Southern Virginia. I think it's raining everywhere. We have these storms. Get ready to go into hurricane season. Lord, lately, over the past couple of years, the hurricane season has been treacherous, just doing things, just messing people up. Um, so be careful. Make sure you stay in prayer this holiday during the hurricane time. This is Lena Jones, and I am your host for this LJ Morning Sparkle. And you know, i got to get started with one of my songs. The last few shows I've been playing with Whitney Houston. So. Uh, this one I'm going to play some old school. I want to play the um, Donnie McClurkin Choir. The song that I heard growing up. <laughs> and I'll be right back. Just enjoy it. It's good stuff here. Good stuff. <laughs> Just 
shit like you did good for it. Because when they start doing it, then you're ready to punish them or beat them or something like that. And that's just not good. Anyway, <laughs> that's another another subject for another day. We finished with Job, but we're in Esther. And Esther's a short a book in the Bible. But it, it says a lot. It's a short but power, powerful uh, book in the Bible. I'm going to break it down into two parts. I'm going to do one part today, and then we'll finish off the second part on um, next week or next Wednesday. The, the thing I like about the book of Esther is, it's in the Old, Old Testament, is that it's a book about being ashamed or afraid. Speaking to someone in particular, being ashamed or afraid to move from where you are. It's about being complacent. Having that security, thinking that someone um, that you're untouchable. It could be on your job. It could be in your marriage. It could be in your relationship. It's about coming out of that. It's about coming out, letting people know that you serve a mighty God, that you're not afraid to take steps that in the direction that he wants us to go. Um, now, you you might be afraid because of something something that really matters to you. That's pretty much my comparison. Um, have you are you in a job that you won't move to the next position? Um, your next position could be director management, or you wanted to be there. You, you, and deep down inside, this is where you want to be. Deep down inside, you know that's where you should be. Deep down inside, you've heard people say that. You know you can do this. You know you can slay a management position. You know you can slay a better position. You know you can slay director of that department, even if the first step is team lead. It doesn't matter. It's where you are, and it's where God wants you to be, and that's what uh, that's what Esther is about. See, God wanted the children of Israel to be, not to be in the land where they became complacent, where they worshipped uh, other idols and lived off the land, the fat of the land. That's not the land that God promised his people. So God didn't want his people Israel to be that way. So they became um, complacent. You don't have to stay where you are. You, you don't have to stay where you are. And sometimes going to that next level is a struggle, but you have to you have to go beyond that. It's a certain risk that God wants us to take, and when we take that risk, we step out in faith, and that's what um, that's what Esther is about. And once you do that, you don't know what kind of doors are going to open. You don't know what God has in store for you, but you won't know, and you will never know. Stay there. God actually gets upset with us when we don't move on to where He has put us because, see, our story was foretold before we even came into the world. So, if you're in a position where you where you are not feeling that comfortable of being there and knowing that you can move, hiding in the shadow because of a shame or a sin or your color or any of that sort of stuff, that's not where God wants us to be. To me, that's what that's 
their eyes. That's what Esther is all about. The Bible is open to interpretation. Everyone has their own interpretation. My interpretation of Ruth, of uh, Esther, <laughs> keep thinking about Ruth, of Esther may not be your interpretation of Esther, but I'm giving you mine. This is my life comparison to the book of Esther. Now, even though in uh, the book of Esther, Esther was a female, I'm going to use a male. I'm going to use a male in a work position. I'm going to use my character in this story is, is a man in a work position. So that's uh, what it's about. So just to give you an idea of what's, of what's going on, it is in the Old Testament. And uh, we, I am still in the Old Testament. And, and even though the book of Esther don't specifically, specifically say God or Jesus like most of the other books in the Bible do, there's a lesson um, God has put in there for his people, the Israelites. See, when the Jews were taken into exile, into captivity, God became angry with them because they became complacent, too attached to the land in their captivity. And this dishonored God by not returning to their homeland. He knows when something is mediocre. He knows if you're in a position with your relationships or your job that it's mediocre. When he has, why settle for 1%? where there's cream on the other side, and he gets angry. You know, some people let us stay where we at. They know we could progress, and they know we'll do good at it. Might be some friends. <laughs> some friends might be some family. They could do that type of stuff. You know, they won't tell you to go to the next level. They won't even motivate you to do it because they don't want you to. They don't want you to. <laughs> so that's where the people of Israel is at. At another uh, place, and um, God has promised him, promised them good land. He promised them land of milk and honey. So why stay on something that's not good? Why stay in a position that's one percent when you can have cream? I know I want cream. I want the cream. <laughs> if God has cream for me, I want to take every drop of it. I'm gonna look it up. So that's what he, where uh, uh, the people of uh, Israel at. So I'm going to start out with uh, reading a few scriptures, and then I'm going to go into my um, my character. Okay, I'm going to tell you this is the king. His name is Ahasuerus. Guys, know how I am with names. In Bible, it jacks me up every time. We talk about jacking up some names. So uh, Ahasuerus, uh, is, uh, he's, he's reigned over the uh, 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. Now the Israel is in Persia. Persia came into, into power, and it was prophesied by the, the prophet Daniel that Persia would be a great power, and this is what's happening. Because of uh, uh, Israel's captivity by Babylon and Assyria, they ended up in Persia with uh, the king of Persia. It's not what God wanted. It wasn't supposed to be in Persia. <laughs> that's fine. It wasn't supposed to be Persia. So that's so now they are under the reign of King Ahasuerus. Um, and it says, in those days when King Ahasuerus sat in the sat on the throne of his kingdom, 
which was Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign he made a feast for all his officials and servants, the powers of Persia and Media, and Medea, excuse me, the nobles and the princes of the provinces before being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty for many days, 180 days in all. That means they party. They party for 180 days. Of course, we can't do that in, in this life unless you're rich. You don't have no. You don't have to go to work or anything. You can just party all, all day. That's why a lot of people die. I have money. They can party all day so they get high on drugs and mess up their body and end up end up dying. Um, so uh, when he so he showed the people his his glorious kingdom. He wants to show all faces. Show his kingdom. He wanted to show his wife. He wanted to show everything that he had. When in these days, when the, when these days were completed, the king made a feast, lasting seven days for all people who were present in Shushan, the citadel, from the great to the small, in the court of the guard of the king's palace. Now, part of the celebration goes into detail, saying that there were white and blue curtains fastened with cords and fine linen, purple rods and marble pillars, gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of alabaster, turquoise, white, black, marble. They serve drinks and golden vessels, vessels being different, each vessel being different from the other. The royal wine was in abundance according to the generosity of the king, according to the accordance with the law. Drinking was not compulsory. This was not forbidden. I guess in in some um, some provinces you could not. This one, for his party, he, he ordered all of the officials of his household they can do according to each man's pleasure. So this was a big party. Everyone, if you didn't get a chance to get the best of the best, there it is. You're invited. <laughs> You're invited, and you can have as much as you want. This is his party. Now, the king had a queen. Her name was Vashti. Vashti. So Vashti. Um, she was a beautiful, beautiful woman. You know, she was always dressed from her head to her toe, well-dressed, beautiful, present, everything about her, just absolutely gorgeous. Now, she had, she was having her own thing. So she had some of her friends over, which were, of course, a lot of them were wives of the rich men that he uh, invited to his party. It was that in her friends, probably a couple of her maid servants, because he gave everyone in his household the pleasure of, of doing what they want. So she was having her own thing in her palace. Um, that that's where the wife was. So on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehume, Bizda, Harbana, Bigtha, Abagtha, that the carcass, seven eunuchs who served in the presence of the king. 
to bring the queen to her. Now, if you don't know what a eunuch is, eunuch is a man who's been castrated. Oh, I know it sounds horrible, but they wasn't castrated. Um, they wasn't castrated as adults. They were castrated, and they use kind of like circumcision when they take the skin from the baby while the baby's still young, and the baby heals, and they just start paying out on birth. <laughs> That's what that means. So he had sent them to go get the queen. Now he's drunk. He's got his friends in front of him. He's done showed him everything else. You know, he done boasted and showed him all his riches and everything that he has. And now it's time to get to show off the wife. The beautiful wife is doing her own thing and her own power. She's got her own thing going on, okay? So <laughs> so he sends the eunuchs. And the eunuchs were the ones that pretty much looked over the harem. They, and you know why? Because they were castrated. They didn't have to worry about them messing with their girls, with their women, because they were castrated. Even though I'm pretty sure in them days, just like today, they were creative. But <laughs> as far as uh, the king knew, hey, you couldn't penetrate any of my girls. So he said, so he sent them to bring the king, to bring her before the king. And she had on her royal crown clothes. He wanted to show her clothing and her beauty and for all her officials to look at her, to look at her. She, he wanted to show off this woman. And I'm pretty sure we've been in or seen situations like that where the man wants to show off his girlfriend. He wants to show off his little babe or whatever. So, and he's drunk. His friends are drunk. You know, people, a whole bunch of drunk people just say stupid things, embarrassing, a little bit belligerent probably, you know, would tell her to twirl around and while the while the men is ha 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 you know, and she just don't she she's not feeling that, okay? She's just not feeling that. She's having a good time with her friends. You know, she knows he's drunk. She knows the friends are drunk. She ain't trying to be around him, okay? So she refuses. So she refuses. She refuses to come and that infuriates. Okay, now we're going to pause there for a moment, and we're going to go to the story of Martin Dick Cotton, okay? Now, this character, you know, in our story is in a position in a corporate good company, corporation. They had a mediocre job, mediocre job, and they could do better. They could do better, but they refuse to do better. They're, uh, you know, because of who they are, because of uh, what they are, and because of uh, just being ashamed of uh, themselves, their heritage, uh, and things of that sort. So, so this one, when this takes place, we're in a uh, corporation. Okay. <laughs> I skipped ahead or something. Okay. Now, this is a boss. This is a boss who, uh, in the corporation, there's a boss, there's a vice president, vice president, and there is a position to uh, an assistant. So in this particular one, your boss is having a party. 
their boss is having a party, okay? The party is a big corporate party. He invited all of his corporate friends to the party. Um, now, he's a, kind of a show-off. He's kind of a show-off, and he has some other things about him, too. But right now, he said, you're at this party. You're, this person is his number one man. If I say your excuse me, because sometime I'll, you know, put say you instead of the person. I actually gave the character a name. His name is Henry, okay? <laughs> Henry Henry is the number one man at his company. Number one. You know, got the 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 boss likes him. He loves hanging out with him. They go golfing together. They do all types of good stuff together because that's his number one man. You can't tell him anything. This is the man that helped his company grow and he's proud of him. He's proud of this so he has this big party, this big corporate event, and he has all his friends. Now, the number one man, who's pretty comfortable being the number one, number one to the president. Um, so he invites his friends. Okay, Henry says, okay, I'm going to invite some of my friends because he can't. He got it like that. So he invites all his friends, too. You know, come on, we're going to party. We're going to have a good time. You know, we're going to have pop shop liquor, <laughs> some good music, and uh, um, you know, everything, you know, this corporate office party is just huge. It's just huge. It's the way that the, uh, the president gets to show off their, their clients, um, gets to show off some of their better clients. And it also helps sales too, because they get to rub noses with, uh, some of the biggest sales companies, uh, for the corporation. Now I didn't say what the corporation does because I don't really have a corporation know what the corporation does. I'm just saying this is a corporate, this is a corporate affair where uh, the, the uh, president has invited a lot of his big partners um, that he does business with and things of that sort. And the next, the best man, which is Henry, who's his number one guy, he invites his own people to the party too. So the party's going on, everything is going good, everything is doing well until the boss decides he wants to impress his friends with, um, so he wants to impress his friends with his number one guy. So he sends someone to come and get Henry. Now Henry is with his friends. Even though he's the number one guy, he likes the boss, the boss likes him and stuff like that. He knows that, hey, the boss is with his uh his, his friends, and they're drinking and stuff like that. He's kind of off with, with his friends doing the same thing. Um, and he was summoned by the boss. Here he was. So Henry decides to, hey, you know what? I'm not going. I'm having a good time. I know he's over there drunk. I don't feel like dealing with him. I don't feel like dealing with his drunken friends, you know. And it's cool. It's cool if I don't go because, see, we got it like that. We we thicker than bees. I know him. He knows me. I could do stuff like that. So I'm going to hang out with my friends. And I'm just not going to go. So he basically blows them off. He didn't come to his whim like he's used to pretty much uh, Henry doing. So he's the big president. He wants something. He's the big VP. He wants something. He wants you to do it. And you have been doing it now. We got this big party. You got your friends over. He's got his uh, business associates over. He's ready to do some introducing. And, you know, everyone's drunk, including 
including Henry. Henry's just not doing it. You know, we'll talk about it on Monday, <laughs> pretty much. Let's just do that. We'll talk about it on, on Monday. What Henry's not realizing is that he has now upset the big boss because this is his party and this is his chance, chance to show off his number one man regardless of whether he's drunk or not. That work don't stop. It's 24-7. It's during the party, at the party, at the party, every time. If he calls on you, he expects you to be there. But you're not there because you're too busy hanging out with your friends having a good time. Henry was doing just that. He was hanging out with his friends and he was having a good time. He wasn't thinking any seriousness about the boss telling him to come over there. He didn't want to go and see those those dudes. He didn't want to go hang around him. He wanted to hang around his friends. You know, it's a party for everybody to enjoy. Why can't he enjoy it? So he doesn't think anymore about it. He doesn't think that the boss is actually thinking about it because he's drunk. Okay? So that is my modern day story. That is where it takes place. That is the setting up of my modern day story. <laughs> and uh, in the test, Old Testament, this is what Queen Vashti is doing. She has ignored her husband. She has ignored her husband because he's strong. She don't want to be bothered with him. She wants to be bothered with him. Henry doesn't want to be bothered with his boss either because he's having a good time. Okay, so on that note, I'm going to go ahead to my first song, and um, I have a song, uh, Mary Mary, is one of the songs that I'm going to play, uh, Shackles Off My Feet, because sometimes we get held down, we get held down, and we need to have those shackles taken off of our feet, and as soon as I find it, and I have my, um, my collection Pressure fell on me I thought I was gonna lose my mind 
welcome back. I hope we're not having any audio issues, and I do apologize if we do, if we are. Hopefully, your podcast will be better. I have worked with Blog Talk Radio. I have done everything I possibly can. I am now looking for someone audio. <laughs> welcome back to the show. So, we have talked about the two comparisons. Our modern-day character is in a corporate position. Uh, he is the number one man. He is the number one to the number one, okay? Now, the only thing about this number one person that I did not tell you about was is the president. The president is, uh, let's say, how can I say? He, he's kind of borderline racist, okay? He's racist against black. Hispanic, anyone who is a minority. Now, he's not, how do they say, full-blown racist, even though racist is racist. It doesn't really matter. Uh, he's not full-blown. I mean, he, he has, he speaks to minorities that his company hires, you know, his company hires minorities. He speaks to minorities. He'll even uh, use the bathroom <laughs> with a minority. But there's a certain gap there, and that's just that's that we cool, we're cool. This is the president. We're cool, cool as long as um, daughter or son, as long as you're not living right next door to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the kind of uh, person that this vice president is. That's the kind of person that the vice president is. There's an underlining thing there um, that is not directly in your face, and he's, you know, he doesn't have a problem speaking to people of other uh, nationalities, other colors, and stuff like that, but there is an underlining little racist thing going on he has. Um, He doesn't want them to get too close to him. He doesn't want a person of another color. You know, there's a a saying that if you are 10% black. You're black. If you are 10%, and I could say the same for Asian. Um, sometimes as a minority, we tend to think that our race is more acceptable than another. But when you're dealing with a racist, especially if that racist believes in the Aryan nation, Aryan means Aryan. Aryan means blue hair, blue eyes, red hair, blonde hair. This is purpose of their white supremacy, white supremacy, they'll get along with you, and everyone has the right in the United States to be and believe what they want. We have the right to like who we like and not like who we like. (laughs) Basically, that's the bottom line. So he, even though he get along with them, he uh, doesn't mind. Um, hiring them doesn't mind him working in the company. You know, he will get in the elevator. So there's an underlying issue. Don't go close, too close to my family. Don't cl- go too close to where I live. Um, that's the thing about this uh, this uh, VP. So now they're at the party, and his uh, his number one man is uh, is not coming to him. He's not coming. He's not coming. And neither is uh, the Queen Vashante. Vashti, not a gamer, different name. So 
here we go. We're going back to the scripture. So the king says to his friends, he's embarrassed. So he's like, what do you think I should do? He asked the advice of his friends. Sometimes asking the advice of your friends and your family is not the best, especially when they come out of when they come out of their face with something whack. And Lord knows, don't ask them while they're drunk, because they're liable to say anything. There's some of them may be jealous of your life anyway, right? So he says, uh, "What shall I do to the queen, Vashti, according to the law, because she did not obey the command uh, that I had sent to her?" So one of his friends, this is uh, Esther 16 through 18, named Mimu, can answer before the king and the princess. Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but also the princess and all the people who are in the provinces of the king, provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will be known to all women. So they will despise their husbands in their eyes. They will, when they report this, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought in before him, and she did not come. This very day, the noble ladies of Persia and Medea will say to all the king's officials that they have heard of the behavior of the queen. Thus they will be excessive contempt and wrath. If it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him, and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persian, Persia and Medeas, that it shall come no more, that Bashti shall come no more before the king, before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. When the king decree which he will make is proclaimed throughout all his empire for it is husbands for it is great all wives will honor their husbands both great and small and reply and the reply pleased the king and the princess and the king did according to the to the word of Nimu what this dude Nimu said so the king decided he's going to go ahead this sounds good to me so he said letters to all the kings of the provinces, to each its own scripture, to every people in their own language, that each man should be master in his own house and speak in the language of his own people. Okay. So that's the decree that was sent out. According to his friend Mimi, this is what he suggests, that, you know, did this now? All the women gonna do it. What you doing, dude? You gonna let her just disrespect you like that? <laughs> Talking, that's not in the Bible. That's me. She gonna just disrespect you like that, man? You need to take care of that. You need to handle that. You need to handle that. That's some banter from before if it was a woman situation, but in our situation, we're talking about a man. So he does this in front of the president, the vice president's friend. Vice President not feeling it, so he's like, you know, this is pretty messed up, you know. And his friends is looking at him like, dude, this you this way? It's in front of us? You know, you need to take care of that. That's disrespectful. That's disloyalty. You just don't do that to a person, a man in your position. Now, 
you know, he's a this you're a good worker. You're a good worker. He's a good worker, Henry. They get along, they get along real good. But what's going on right now, he's he's embarrassed. He feels disrespected. Um so he says to his friends in his drunkardness, now remember, nobody's in a sober state right now. Everyone is kind of messed up. <laughs> They've been drinking and doing whatever else they wanted to do in this modern day and age, you know. You may add a little something-something to it, or you may not, okay? But this is a party. So no one is really in their right mind right now. So the last thing you need to do really is ask your, your friends, your people, some advice about uh, a position where you just felt disrespected and embarrassed by your number one guy. This is not the time for him to be embarrassed. You called him, he needs to come. Henry needs to be right there. So, you, so now the VP uh, is in. In. So he asked his drunken friend, you know, uh, did you see that? Did you see how you just ignored me? You just didn't even pay attention to me. And um, so they have something to think about. They said, well, you shouldn't have. It doesn't come when you call them, when you, you're paying them this good money for him to be here. Um, you need to do something about that. You need to handle that. So they say, you need to fire him. Either you fire him or demote him. So those are his two options. Henry has two options. He gets he gets fired or demoted after the party's over. Here it comes Monday morning. Henry's coming back to the office. Everything is cool. You know, y'all had a party, everybody had a good time and all this other stuff. He's not thinking about the disrespect. He's not thinking about how he embarrassed his boss over the weekend and stuff like that. So he comes back to the office on Monday and guess what? He's pink slip. He's laid off. Well, I mean, people assistant to the VP can do that. They can get laid off. You know, they're not the VP, so they can get laid off or they can get demoted. So in his case, he was demoted to another department in an, at another uh, location. He don't even want to see this dude anymore. He's showing him. He's setting a standard for everybody in that office. You don't do that to me. You don't do that to me. So now, where he was buddy buddy at, no longer there. And it's no longer there. He's gone. He's gone all over a drunken party. Something silly. Something foolish. And in in your situation, it may not even be a drunken party. It could be a luncheon, a dinner, or something like that where you said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing to the person that you thought you were close with. Complacency. Complacency. Never get too comfortable. Especially if you're not protected under God's umbrella. So now Henry's gone. Henry's out the picture. There needs to be a new VP. A new assistant to the VP. Because then Henry's out the picture. He set the, he said it right there in the office. It's the gossip in the office. That's what happened. Girl, you ain't gonna believe what happened. You, just, you know, Henry is the talk. Henry don't really want to be there after that anyway. 
even if he was to vote him and keep him into the same office, there ain't no one be there. He wouldn't want to be there. Not when to talk. Because people talk. People talk and they gossip, especially in the corporate environment. So Henry's at another location. So Henry's job is up for grabs. Looking for a new assistant to the VP position. You, you you heard about it. You work on another floor. You heard about the position. Everybody in the whole building knows this position is open. And people have been telling you, don't stay where you are. God doesn't want you to be there. Now is your time to move. But you're afraid. You're afraid of moving. You're afraid of moving because, you know, you got a little bit of black in you. <laughs> or you may have a little bit of Hispanic in you. You don't look it. Uh, you don't look it, but it's there. But it's there. And it's not even so much of your shame of, of that because no one really can tell. Not like, but it's so much that you're not trying to move. You're not tr- You're not happy where you are, but you're not trying to move into another position. Either you have skeletons in your closet or you're just afraid. That's an, Or you're just satisfied where you need to be. You're complacent. You're complacent where God wants you to be someplace else when he has another plan for you. The plan is not for you to stay there because, see, there's a bigger picture underlying all this. The plan is not for you to stay. The plan is for you to move on. Keep it moving. Now, this position that opened up, and you just you heard about it, and you thinking, oh man, this would be nice. You're thinking about the money, but at the same time, you're just like, well, I don't know if I want to, I want to move, if I want to stay up with different people, and uh, I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at, and I don't know, you know, people up there, you know, I know I look the part, but what if they find out something? You know, there's there's some reason why you you you're holding yourself back. And in his character, it's because of this. And in your life, it could be something else that's chaining you to that position, that's chaining you to where you are in today's life, be it corporate or non-corporate. Something is holding you and preventing you to excel. It's keeping you in that 1% milk, keeping you drinking that 1% milk when there's cream waiting for you. Gotta break that chain. Gotta break that chain. You gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. You gotta put that fear aside. Fear's a liar. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, so, after these things, they decided to. Uh, now, that we go back to our, our scripture. After these things, when the wrath of the king had subsided, he remembered Vashti, what she had done, and what had been decreed against her. The king's servants who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgin be sought for the king. And let the king appoint officials in all the provinces. Let the young women who please the queen instead, uh, let the young women who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This thing pleased the king. Of course it would. Wow. We have to have a holy, fresh virgin. 
So in Shushan, the citadel, was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jehad, the son of Shimi, and the son of Kish. He was a Benjamite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with captivity, who had been captured with Jeconai, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And Mordecai had brought up Hashdai, Hadash, Hadashim, which is Esther. Okay. Mordecai brought up Esther. Okay. His uncle's daughter. She had neither father nor mother. She was a young woman, lovely and beautiful, when her mother and father died. Mordecai took her as his own. So, it was when the king's command decree was heard, and many young women were gathered at Shushan, so was Esther. And I'm going to finish right there. And we will talk next week. So, Esther is now taking up, is her uncle's going to put her in a position. Let's get you prepared. In real world, there's a position open. There's a reason why you don't want to take that position. Be a position in a relationship. It could be a position in a job. It could be a position for anything that you know. Something is coming. Something has come up, and there's an opportunity for you to break the chain. And now, you're going to do it. And I will be back next week with the finish of it. Um, until then, you can go to the book of Esther. I use the Bible with big print. Uh, it is a King James version. It doesn't have. Uh, it breaks down the vowels and the D's, and it puts things like me in there. That's what I use <laughs> in a course of study Bible. And you can feel free to, to read through Esther because what I'm doing is I'm, I have certain things in it that I point out and I highlight that would uh, uh, reference to my real life story. Now, even though in real life this is, I'm t- telling a story, this actually happened to someone. It's probably happening to you or someone that you know of. It needs to break that chain. It needs to stop being complacent. It's time. God's telling you it's time. Move on. There's cream waiting for you. There's cream waiting for you. And I will say my goodbye right after we hear Tasha Break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Come on, come on, you declare it. There is power. 
Life does not mean you 
are meant to stay there. There's a bigger picture. There's cream on the other side. I want cream in my coffee, not one percent milk. Even though I should because I'm diabetic. <laughs> I want that cream. Hey, this will be replayed. This podcast will be replayed Friday morning at six o'clock in the course of Sunday at nine o'clock. I think I keep making that time up. I'm not doing it on purpose. Remember, be blessed. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is Lena, and I'm out. Here we go. Down here comes my background music. Why is it late? <laughs> there we go.